Welcome to the Triumphal Feast Podcast, a ministry of Elder Bryce Lowrance speaking to you from the pulpit of Mount Perrin Primitive Baptist Church in Social Circle, Georgia. I've known a lot of the Lord's people that are in churches and they're just ready to be offended so that they can have an excuse to not go to church anymore. Here's the problem with that. People are going to disappoint you. And if you stop serving the Lord because people disappoint you, you were never serving the Lord. Because the Lord doesn't disappoint. You follow Him 100% of the time. He's faithful. We just might have a wrong definition of how we're following the Lord. Mount Perrin Primitive Baptist Church meets regularly two times a week. Our regular worship service is on Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. And our Wednesday evening Bible study is at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you would like to attend in person, we are located at 3749 Mount Perrin Church Road, Social Circle, Georgia, 30025. For more information about these services online or Mount Perrin Primitive Baptist Church, please visit our website at mppbc.com. Thank you for joining us once again on Triumphal Feast. Today we will hear the conclusion of the message, Put on Charity, from Colossians chapter 3. We will pick up the message in a moment with the expectations we should have when we are charitable to others.
We cannot expect a puppy who had never been trained to do something. Can't get mad at them if they've never been trained. Most of the world has never been trained in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to show pity. Where does that begin? Show pity, Lord. Oh, Lord, forgive. Let a repenting rebel live. Are not thy mercies large and free to save poor sinners just like me? We will not be showing mercy to others if we are not assured of the mercy of God in our lives. So if you want to learn how to show mercy, stop self-justifying. Ask God to show you the sin in your life. Repent of it and feel the mercy of God. Feel that peace that happens and share that with others. But oh, by the way, that's still not charity. Kindness. Kindness makes sense. It's the way we treat one another. It's the things that we do for one another. But what I want us to realize and what I'm trying to to get my brain wrapped around is kindness isn't even charity. Because I can be kind. And Paul says, you still need to put on charity. What what you're going to see as we go through this list is we're going to think, all right, I'm a charitable person. And then we're going to realize Paul says, well... And, and, and somebody else said, well, what's the evidence that you're a charitable person? Well, I'm kind, and I show mercy to people. Paul says you're not there yet. My point is this. If we ever think we're charitable enough, we're not charitable at all. Because it is a great love. Behold what manner of love that we would be called the sons of God. That's the kind of love that we need to be showing. Humbleness of mind. There's a key one right there. Humbleness of mind. Now, this is one that's probably the fault of Christianity that's caused one of the biggest problems in modern society. A doctrine that teaches that you choose to have Jesus save you automatically feeds the nature of the old man. When someone doesn't choose to have Jesus as their Savior, we think ourselves better than them. Can I tell you this? We love God. Why? Because He first loved us. Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. God doesn't love everybody. That tells me that if I love God... It's because he first loved me. Didn't start in me. And if I chose God, if I chose to follow the Lord, even if I chose in a doctrine that I thought that's what caused my salvation, the problem with that is I'd never choose. What's the old hymn? My Lord, I did not choose you, for that could never be. (laughs) My heart would still refuse you had you not chosen me. Even in our discipleship, we need to not take credit. It's Christ that moved in us first. 
And so we need to be thankful. Oh, by the way, that's where he's headed. <laughs> and be thankful. Humbleness of mind. Am I thankful to be an American? I am. I hope that you are as well. I hope you're more thankful that Jesus Christ died for you. And I hope you're more ready to defend that than you are to be an American. I really do. The thing about it is, it's different. To continue to be an American may mean you have to take up a weapon. To continue to worship Jesus Christ in freedom means you've got to take up another weapon. It's prayer. And it's charity. And it's love toward others that hate you. And that your human nature might hate. <laughs> because it begins with humbleness of mind. The Apostle Paul is no better than you. So the return of that, you're no better than the Apostle Paul. None of us probably have a problem saying I'm no better than the Apostle Paul. Right? You're no better than Demas. I'm no better than Demas. Demas was a beloved disciple of the Lord that followed Paul, that preached with Paul. But Paul said, Demas, I want you to notice something. He didn't say Demas had forsaken the Lord. He said, Demas had forsaken me, having loved this present world. The apostle Paul got that gospel and fellowship go together. And it tore his heart away. For Demas to go away. We're no better than Demas. So we need to have that humbleness of mind. You might understand something about the doctrines of grace that someone else doesn't understand. Be thankful. Make that the focus of more humility, not less. And oh, by all means, Discuss the Bible, but don't beat somebody else over the head with the doctrine of grace. Because you know what? If you do, you don't believe the doctrine of grace. Because the doctrine of grace is charity. It's humbleness of mind. The Apostle Paul never sought to win a debate. He sought to win people. Now we know that doesn't mean he was winning them to populate heaven. He was wanting to win them over to grace so that they would have peace in their lives. It was for their benefit, not so that he could be seen as the smartest apostle. Bugs me when I read that in the commentaries, that these people had access to Paul and Peter, so they probably had more. No. You can find all the doctrines of grace in the writings of John. You can find it in James. You can find it in Mark. It's there. I'm thankful that we have them all. But let us not be accused like Paul said when he wrote to Corinth where some say I'm of Paul, some of Cephas, some of Apollos. That ain't none of you following the Lord. That even when you're having communion, it's not communion. It's not the Lord's Supper. Because you're so divided. That's where we are in America today. Christians are divided and fighting. 
because we're not humble. And here's what's interesting. The next phrase he says is meekness. Those sound like the same thing, don't they? One of them is humbleness of mind, that if you ain't got, you ain't going to be meek. Because meekness is the demonstration of humbleness of mind. Jesus Christ was the most meek man. He says, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. He said, learn of me. Why? Because the yoke that we are to take on. Oh, by the way, oh, that's cool. (laughs) Paul says, put on. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. It's the same thing. Paul expands on what Jesus meant. And take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. For I am meek and lowly of heart. He said, that's what you're supposed to take on. This meek man was not weak. For the honor of his father's house, he drove out armed men from the temple twice. There is time to quit you like men and be strong. But the most powerful demonstration of that is when wrath is right there in your face that's not harming you, you show it mercy. That's meekness. When wrath is right there and it's not damaging your house, it's not damaging your church, you show it mercy. Because as soon as we think we're better than what's attacking us, we're not going to be meek. To be meek is to have the power to act, but choose to show mercy instead. Because we understand that without the grace of God, we're in that condition also. Another report I read this week. Another one very depressing, no surprise in it whatsoever. Areas that legalized illicit drugs a few years ago. People dying all over the place of overdoses. Duh. Laws sometimes are merciful because they save you from your own depravity. But even in those societies, in those places where they've done that, we need to show mercy. Because not everybody had the same home that we grew up in. Now, I'm not going to say for a second that somebody ought to shame you because you had a good home to grow up in. No shame in that at all. There's thankfulness in it. But there's a humbleness of mind that needs to go along with it. And not everybody else had that. And so act meekly toward those that didn't have that. Because you know what the world teaches young men? Same thing rap music does. It's all about who's got the power. It's all about who's in charge. But here's the best definition of meekness. Jesus is in charge. And Jesus said, he will repay. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. We don't have to have 
vengeance. Our old nature tells us we're supposed to. And we might have the righteous right to do it. But do we have to? You know, I remember watching Elder Ivy try to explain to a young child one time. John 3.16. One of the most intelligent men that I've ever known. Y'all have met him. Y'all would probably agree. He's a very intelligent guy. Theologian of theologians. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And explaining that to a little child. He said that's when you've broken a rule. And mommy and daddy chose not to punish you. Now we know behind that is that Christ died for that sin. But that's how we need to see it. We're sinners. But God chose not to punish us. That's mercy. That's bowels of mercy. That's charity toward us. Because what did he do? He chose to punish it in his only begotten son. Oh, wow. Meekness. Long-suffering. Sometimes long-suffering and patience are the same in the Bible. But the Apostle Paul and the translators here faithfully chose to use the word long-suffering. A little while ago, I spoke of marriages and broken homes. One of the number one reasons is people are not long-suffering. People say, we need to stay together for the benefit of the kids. Yes, you should. But that doesn't mean you stay together and fight. That means you stay together and long-suffer. What's hard to do? Yeah, it's suffering and it's long. But we are so quick to be upset. And Paul gives us the cure to that. Forbearing one another. You know that old phrase, people wear their feelings on their sleeve? They're ready to be offended. I've known a lot of the Lord's people that are in churches and they're just ready to be offended so that they can have an excuse to not go to church anymore. Here's the problem with that. People are going to disappoint you. And if you stop serving the Lord because people disappoint you, you were never serving the Lord. Because the Lord doesn't disappoint. You follow Him, 100% of the time, He's faithful. We just might have a wrong definition of how we're following the Lord. And also, the Lord forgave. (laughs) So if you're following the Lord, you ought to be forgiving. And notice what the Apostle Paul says right after long-suffering is forbearing one another. To bear with someone means that you're long-suffering. And to forbear, that means you're ready for it. You're expecting it to happen. Now, that's not what the world says where they prepare you. Well, this is going to be a bad one. Always drove me bananas when the grade before me, the teacher would tell me about a kid. So you'd be better ready, ready to deal with that one. Sometimes there wasn't a thing I could do. Yeah, that kid was rotten. 
<laughs> Sometimes. But if I went in there with the attitude that there's nothing I could do with this kid, then nothing ever would happen. But then kids that for four or five grades, the teachers had horrible problems when they came in my classroom. I didn't have a problem with them at all. Why? Because I didn't listen to the stuff before, or I didn't know the stuff before, and I just wanted to love the kid. If we are preparing ourselves to be offended, and in that preparation we're ready to fight back, that's not forbearing one another. If we are preparing ourselves to be offended where we have already forgiven the person before they offended us, that's forbearing. We're bearing that burden beforehand. We are prepared to forgive. And we're already doing it. Before it happens, while it's happening, and after it's happening. So, Brother Bryce, you're stretching that a little bit. Am I? What does Paul say next? And forgiving one another. He explains what he means. If any man have a quarrel against any, that's a fight, an argument, a difference of opinion. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Wow. What was the basis of Christ forgiving you? For all eternity, why did Christ forgive you? Because you asked him to? No, where does this start? Put on, therefore, as the elect of God. Why? Did Christ forgive you? Why did God forgive you in Christ? Because he chose to. We can choose to forgive. And if we are, then we're a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we don't choose to forgive, then we're not being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to go back and read the model prayer in Matthew chapter 6 because it doesn't have a good outcome. There's only one thing. You know, most churches call that the Lord's Prayer. It's the model prayer. The Lord's Prayer is over in John 17, where Christ prayed for his disciples and prayed for me and you. The model prayer in Matthew chapter 6, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, so forth. That's the model to show us what the content of our prayer ought to be. Jesus only explained one part of it. This amazes me every time I think about this. The only part that he explains is, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. That's the only part he explains. And you know how he explains it? Is if you don't forgive, your heavenly father won't forgive you. He's not talking about eternity, but he is talking about peace right now. What's the matter with America? Why is there no peace? Because of Democrat? Because of Joe Biden? Because of Donald Trump? No, because God's people are unforgiving. The key to peace is forgiveness of others. Because peace comes from God. And if we're not forgiving others, then God is withholding that peace. He is not forgiving us. Because the result of forgiveness is peace. Because when you, when you forgive your, your, your friend when you were growing up, you had peace with one another, didn't you? When there's no forgiveness there, there's no peace. It's, it's simple math, folks. 
If we want the peace of God to rule in our hearts, we're going to get to that some other time because that's just too good to, 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 to go through quickly, so I'm not going to. We are to be forgiving just for the same reason that Christ did. Because we chose to. You say, well, who do I forgive? Jesus said everybody. So what if they're not a child of God? That ain't your business. You don't know anyway. There's only one man that has the key to open that book. And it's Jesus Christ. And if Brother Bobby was here, he would remind us that the Lord's people are as the stars of heaven and the sands of the seashore. That means there's a bunch of them. Chances are that person you need to forgive names in there. And even if they're not, you're commanded to forgive. So choose to do it. But oh, by the way, all of this stuff that Paul has called on us to do, all of this stuff that I have been trying to preach to you, I'm preaching to myself, but what I need us to understand is we're not to charity yet. Wow. We're not there yet. Above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Is it possible for the Lord's people to get here. Yes. Paul was there. And I don't think he's the only one. Mount Perrin we have exhibited this. Those that stayed together. What is that bond? Are we continuing to come to Mount Perrin after the pandemic is over and so many families have gone astray? Are we continuing to come back out of stubbornness? That's going to fail. Are we doing it out of historical pride? That's going to fail. What is the bond that unites us still? It's charity. That means it's here. And that's what Paul has called this church at Colossae to do, is to unite themselves together in that. I want you to think back about three years ago. There were those among us that had the desire for us to reach out into the community. Brother Jeff and I had this conversation many times, and I was trying to explain to him, i got to find out how much unity there is within the church before we try to reach outside the church. This is why. Because if we don't have this bond of charitable love that is unbreakable, the church is not ready to help those that are on the outside. Because we'll be showing them kindness, but we're not showing them charity. We'll be meek toward them, but we're not showing them charity. And that's what we want to do. So Bryce, how do we know that it's there? That's when somebody comes to this church and says there's something different. There's a unity and harmony there. There's a closeness. That's when you know it's there. That's what we're to be working toward. And 
all of those things build up toward charity because all of those things focus on our own personal behavior, not the behavior of somebody else in the church or somebody outside the church. It's things that I do myself to strengthen that bond. And why do I do it? Because Christ did it for me. And I'm thankful. And I want the peace of God to rule in my heart. And oh, by the way, let's not yank a verse out of context. Verse 16, when it talks about singing, that's part of it. That's part of it. This is how we build that relationship. This is how we strengthen that bond. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Ephesians chapter 4, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the what? Bond of peace. It begins with us not thinking of ourselves. It begins with us recognizing that we're the elect of God and God has brought us peace with Him so that we can show peace toward one another. I'm not done, but I'm going to quit. May the Lord bless you all is my prayer. Victorious God We hope this edition of Triumphal Feast has been a blessing to you. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and visit our website at mppbc.com for further resources, including our devotional blog, Little Brother's Thoughts on the Bible. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you all is our prayer.